You're listening to the Screening in Kingston podcast. For more on Screening in Kingston, more episodes, info about our movie clubs, and a lot more fun movie content, visit screeningandkingston.com. Welcome back to Screening in Kingston. We've got uh, a heck of a week for you here because we've got three movies to review. We were only going to do two, but then I failed at finding one of them. So I had to, I decided to throw a backup in there and now we're going to talk about three movies today. So that's kind of fun. All week I was thinking, this is the episode no one asked for, but they're getting anyways. Well, it's kind of, it's kind of a, it's kind of a normal episode. Like it's, it's, you know, here are three movies that just kind of released to kick off the summer season at the beginning of the summer that for one reason or another, we didn't review because of like Stranger Things and other stuff that was more important. And we were waiting. The real reason, Mike, I'll remind you because you have a bad memory. I don't know if we said this on air, but I wanted us to review these movies while they were running at the screening room. Right, yes. And I, I think your movie is also at the screening room. I do the, believe it the is. Bonus movie. <laughs> the bonus movie. So, the bonus movie. <laughs> why it's the, the episode no one asked for is because prior to adding in the bonus movie, these are two were two of my most anticipated movies of the summer. So Were they? People are so getting this is, a, this a is double a very Taylor. Taylor yeah. episode. Taylor episode. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Taylor, as I was watching, so the movie I did, of the two you saw, the movie I did see was The Northman. And while I was watching The Northman, there were definite moments in my head where I'm like, hmm, I think Taylor might be liking this. <laughs> and there were a few moments, not just because Alexander Skargard's in it, right. uh, and he doesn't wear much. Nope. Uh, that not, not just because of that moment, but the other moments that we can talk about once we get to, to review it. Olga uh, the of the Birch movie. Trees. She's a yeah, real tailor. Yeah, that was a, that was a real tailor moment. Yeah, and yeah, I there were definitely moments in the movie too where I was like, I don't think this is for me. <laughs> like yeah, just watching as, certain moments. I like, as I, I was watching it, I was like, mm, I don't, I don't know if Mike's going to enjoy this, but yeah, anyways, it's a it's a Taylor heavy episode, except for your bonus movie, um, which like you. I have really no uh, no connection with. I haven't seen the show. I haven't seen the first one. You've so, ne- so you've never seen anything at all with Downton Abbey related? No, aside from like stills on Tumblr. Like, no, I've yeah. never even seen a single episode. I know what so, it's about. Neither have I prior to watching and my review today will be of Downton Abbey, a new era. Dying um, to hear about it. And I've got lots to say. But yes, I had I, I went into this movie never seeing a second of the show. Now my parents watched the show and loved it. Like they watched it when it was on. It's very they popular. raved about it. Very, very popular. Lots of people liked it. I have never seen a minute of it. I've made fun of Downton Abbey on this show. Um, and they have ridiculous non-problems. Like I made fun of them many, many times. But also that's without any knowledge of, of what the show is about. Or the, I know there this is the second movie, I think. Like there was another movie. And this is a new movie. So yes. this is, it was around for like six or seven seasons. It's like a BBC British show that now has had two movies. So I'm going to review the second movie, not even the first movie, the second movie. Like, this, <laughs> is a real, this is a real Taylor move. 
and also a Mike Parent move in that. Yes, yes, but I went in there knowing that. Yeah, I knew I hadn't seen that's anything. True. I didn't go into Downton Abbey New Era being like, ooh, new movie. Like, that's a that's a My Parent move. Where you see a movie and it's called Jurassic Park 2. And they're like, this is the first thing that I've and ever it's seen. so good. And this is the new thing and there's nothing before it. Yeah, that's a Meet My Parent move. They just don't realize it's a sequel. I knew going into it that Downton Abbey and New Era was not only this a sequel movie, but there were about six or seven seasons of a well, show with, with <laughs> that the I had missed. With the subtitle, A New Era, yes, you, know, you, would you think. can assume there's a, a previous era. <laughs> well, I guess there was a part of me that, that was also like, maybe this will be like Star Trek The Next Generation, where it's like, oh, Downton Abbey and New Era, and like none of the people are the same, and it's all yeah. like a new thing. But no, no, <laughs> no, no, no. There are lots of people. It's a, it's a <laughs> they new era really for the existing cast. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes, a new era because, like, because it is. It's going into ni- the nineteen twenties. That's the big thing. Ah, yes. It's no longer Roaring the nineteen teens. Yes, exactly. It's going into the twenties. So there's your new era. Okay. Or maybe it's the thirties. I don't remember honestly. I'm pretty sure, based on the costumes. Actually, I don't know. I've they make a show. big point. That would they be, make a like, big point. Of saying that, like enter, I think I thought it was and they either there's a line in the movie where they either say let's have Downton enter the twenties on a high note or end the twenties on a high note. So it's one of the two, right? Well, it's before it's before World War Two, and it's after World War One. Okay, okay. <laughs> that's enough. That's a, that's where it's set sometime in that in that thirty year. There's nothing like getting people. This is why people on the show love me reviewing Marvel and stuff. There is nothing like getting someone who has zero frame of reference to enter into a franchise or to a thing and to describe it. Like there's I think it's there. my favorite thing. I think my favorite <laughs> episode of Screening in Kingston overall, believe it or not, happened this year when you, me, and Tyler reviewed an episode of Star Trek Enterprise and just listening to you explain the pilot episode was one of the funniest things like going back and listening to it like obviously not in the moment because I'm like heated but listening after I was just like oh this is really fun to watch you describe all the characters in Star Trek Enterprise so yeah I, I definitely agree Mike, I'm having a bit of a brainwave. Another thing that our fans love is when we plan mm-hmm. things on air. Uh, <laughs> that is that has so, been a comment of people. Yeah. Yes, they um, like they when, love it. when we plan so, things on air. A little tease surprise. Mike told me prior to starting this episode. Mike, hopefully this isn't a, a surprise, but very shortly we're gonna be at two hundred episodes. And what if one of the segments on that episode, Mike? is we have to describe or watch something that we have no frame of reference for. Similar yeah. to the Star Trek, but like both of us don't know it. And We'd have maybe... to watch something that we both never don't have any context for? Yeah. Hmm, what's a popular thing that we don't have the context Well, maybe Tyler or someone can pick it for us. <laughs> maybe, I think... yeah, maybe, maybe somebody intelligent can tell us. Yeah. Tyler, think... if you're listening, <laughs> Tyler... Assign uh, us our assignment for 200 yeah, pay attention. <laughs> but um, 
since everyone loves that so much, Mike, and you and I get such a kick out of it, that could be one of the segments for the 200. That could be one of the yeah. Yes. Yes, you're, you're right. Just before recording today, we were talking about planning out the 200th episode, which will be happening sometime in July. Um, it might be, a, it might be a, a bonus big episode. It might be a, a big one. So if that's the case, yeah, we could definitely do a segment where we watch something that we have no... It would have to be... Like, it would have to be something like this where it's either a show or a series of movies that you and I have never seen anything and have zero frame of reference for. Yeah. And then we're forced to watch it and review it. So we have that kind of similar effect of like a Star Trek, a Downton Abbey, Marvel, like something that neither of us really care about. Like, I'm sure that exists. I'm sure there's something out there it would almost be like a tv show right like they have us enter like season three episode four yeah like yeah like yeah like the a really famous episode of a tv show but it's like midway through yes exactly. yeah Um, so fans if tyler can't do that write in what would you like us if tyler fails Someone else, yeah. <laughs> jump on, jump on one. that idea. Or like, it could be a movie franchise, like the fourth movie in a mm-hmm. movie franchise. That's very. It would have to be something like Fast and the Furious or something, where like I haven't seen anything. There's Neither like, have I. Have Mike, seen... don't, okay, yeah. don't right. put that into what? the universe. Okay, sorry, <laughs> sorry. Anything? No, you can't use my example. You can't use my example. You have to. Could you imagine <laughs> the 30th Fast and the Furious movie? Yeah, Fast and the Furious, <laughs> yeah one of the 200th episode. What, yeah, whatever people think is the best one, like the fifth movie. like the one Something the... along those lines. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's a good idea. I think that's definitely an idea of something we could do for our 200th episode. Um, it is a lot of fun to dive in. And I will say part of my review for this movie is it was very interesting to watch a movie from that perspective to see how well does this movie do at actually kind of giving me some background, yeah. even though I've never seen anything. So I'll talk. About That's that. a, it's an interesting conversation we could get into Mike about whether those movies sh- should operate as standalones or mm-hmm. if you need to see everything to get it. Yeah. It is. Yeah. It's, a, it's definitely a good one. Um, we've got a, we've got just two fan questions, so we'll get to those first, and then we'll dive into our movies, and then uh, we do have a, at least one interesting headline that we're definitely going to get to. Um, so first, let's hear from Josh, who asked a couple questions this week. So our Inquisitor wants to know, first, what was your reaction to the Depp Heard trial verdict? Um, my reaction was no one, you know, does anyone really win? I was just thinking that, Mike. <laughs> are there really any winners? <laughs> are there really any winners or are we all just losers? Um, yeah, I mean, basically, from what I read, Johnny Depp got most of the, the money. Uh, and uh, But the nothing close to what <laughs> either of them were suing for. No, like Johnny Depp was something like $10 million or whatever. Um, and then... Amber Heard was like $2 million. Like I, a thing said that Johnny Depp ends up coming out with like 8.35 million or something like, because, because Amber Heard got some, he got some. And then it's basically like he, he's their jury was leaning more towards him uh, yeah. than, than, than her, which everything I read and saw pretty much painted 
Amber Heard as as a, an absolutely horrible person. So yeah, she was the I, villain of this court case based on so in the trial of public opinion, she came off as the villain. Which even in like in the trial of public opinion and in the court trial, you're never like at the end of the day, you're just not going to know what what happened here. Like you're just never going to know the truth, really. Only the two of them know the truth. And it's probably somewhere in the middle, like we talked about before. They're both obviously toxic people who have maybe issues, who need some help, who need whatever. So they should hopefully go do that. They probably won't. Uh, and there you go. It will be interesting to see how this plays out for both of their careers. So, you know, even before the trial was done, essentially Johnny Depp's career was like slated to be rehabilitated, right? Everyone's like, yeah. it doesn't matter the outcome of this trial. His reputation is completely repaired. Um, <laughs> so, I mean... Like you said, Mike, he still seems to, like, you know, <laughs> there's still evidence that he did really crummy things, right? So, like, mm -hmm. I guess that's the the fans are able to, like, suspend disbelief. And then on the opposite side, um, and again, this was happening, like, through the trial, but uh, people were petitioning to have Amber Heard eliminated from Aqu Aquaman 2, and in the last two days, the rumors are that she has been deleted from. So originally she had like a starring role role in Aquaman 2. It was then reduced to only like, I think like 16 minutes of screen time. And now the rumors as of like the weekend is that she might be cut entirely. So, you know, it's, it's, she definitely is going to pay the price i think for this for this case like i think johnny depp yeah. will probably come out okay and he may very well be in big budget movies again but yeah and i'm not yeah. weighing in if that's right or wrong people i'm on record saying you know i'm just talking about the facts here about how things are playing out and it really does look like he's going to kind of get off scot free and she's really going to go down as and the villain and I will remind people, as hard as this will be for some people to hear, this will only matter for three to five years, and then it will be gone. I don't, I don't foresee this being a long-term thing, like with anything. I mean, Kevin Spacey is going to be in another movie soon. Is he really? Like, yeah, that was announced. Or oh, I think it's a series. Sorry, I, th I do think it's a series, not a, um, not a movie. We talked about this a couple weeks ago about how, like, what is the thing that is unforgivable for hollywood and like i, I don't I think there is anything <laughs> like yeah, i'm not I sure said, i'm not used, sure if I, had, I had used kevin spacey as kind of like the limit right like will yeah. we ever see kevin spacey act again big question mark but now you're telling me there's rumors <laughs> he's yes. gonna be in a new series so that is yeah. that is the rumor yeah. hollywood yeah. So has I a think, very short memory yeah i i honestly think in about five plus years like it will take a couple of years but five plus years i think Mike, they'll both be doing movies again what's your take on army hammer do you think he'll ever act again oh yeah for sure potentially think... sooner <laughs> actually he because he has the money he's very well, yeah <laughs> and but think of it this way like the only reason why you take like i'm just 
talking from the perspective of a, of a producer, what would be the only reason why you would take someone out of their movie, your movie, public backlash, right? Like that's the only reason. Yeah. People aren't going to see the movie because they're in it. Yeah. And they just, they, they already had the, the test vehicle of that, which was the death on a Nile. Yeah, and did it? How did it do? I can't remember. It did. It fine. did okay at the box office, but I didn't hear. I didn't see any written think pieces about how he shouldn't be in there. I didn't see any blogs. I didn't see people boycotting this, that, the other. Like, I, I don't think. I don't it think people. I mean, how awkward the marketing was. Yeah, they're like, this is really awkward to see him in this, and that was about it. So I think once that happens, like, yeah, I think I think Army Hammer we see in a movie in the next two years, um, and then for for. Amber Heard and Johnny Depp probably five. It's about I think takes. the only the only thing I think about Army Hammer is that because he comes from such money, he might do a pivot where like like James Franco and Shia LaBeouf, where they lay low for a couple years. Yeah. I could yeah. see Army Hammer being like into art, the art world, and then he'll make mm-hmm. a comeback on his own terms. I yeah. Oh yeah. I definitely there. could see that. Yeah, I could see that happening for sure. Especially because he's got the money, he's got the resources. Yeah, he can afford to so, do whatever he wants for the yeah. next, yeah, however long. So uh, we move on from Depp and her till to whatever the next scandal will be, and we'll find out. Um, so we move on. Um, next question from Josh. Uh, this, I guess, I mean, it's for both of us, but I didn't end up seeing the movie. But Josh wants to know, you know kind of his standard question. Did uh, the unbearable weight of massive talent make you more or less of a Nicolas Cage fan. So he wants to know how that movie did, Taylor, for your opinion of Nicolas Cage specifically. Um, I like, as much as we talk about him on the show, I'm not like the hugest Nick Cage fan. I know maybe sometimes I might come across that way. I think You definitely very, come across that way. I think he's very good, <laughs> but like, I'm not like a ride or die. Like my supervisor was like listing all these movies that Nick Cage is in. Cause my supervisor actually is like a huge Nick Cage fan. And I'm like, sorry, haven't seen it. haven't seen it. haven't seen it. I like it because he's a cultural phenomenon. You know what mm. I mean? Like I find his whole persona and everything very interesting. Um, so in terms of whether I'm more of a fan, I would say I'm about the same. Like I like him. I think he's, you know, I enjoy his movies. Like, uh, but I, I definitely am not any less, any less of a fan. So I'll just leave it at that. I think he did okay. a good job and I'll save it for my review. Yeah, no, that's, and that's fine. Um, yeah, let's, uh, let's dive into our movies now. Cause I do want to talk a little bit about that headline that you've got for us at the end. Cause there's feelings and thoughts I have on that. Um, but, uh, <laughs> let's, uh, let's get into our movies. We've got three to review this week that all, uh, open and ran in May, and as we mentioned, they are now playing at the Screen Room in Kingston. We're going to tell at you your, at you your local go. independent theater. Yes. we're going to tell you should you go to this theater or not. Um, I, I would like to start with uh, the Northman because we both saw that. So yeah. let's start there and give our thoughts on that one first, because um, I also feel like when we both see movies, sometimes the conversation can be longest. So. Let's, yeah, we uh, better get give, it out of the way. Let's give this movie some space. So they, so the Northman uh, is uh, from director uh, Robert Eggers, uh, who directed The Lighthouse. Um, so he and The Witch, yes, of course, The Witch, um, which I think, like The Witch, I I did enjoy. I like that movie. Um, so we're going to talk about the Northman. It is actually fun fact, and I didn't, I knew this 
in my limited research I did before watching it. Um, this is the like mythology slash history that Hamlet is based on, um, which I also didn't know Hamlet was based on anything. Yeah, there this. you go. That makes a lot of sense in hindsight. <laughs> yes. Well, because like, I mean, one thing I'll say about this movie is I thought for a movie by the guy who did The Witch and The Lighthouse, this was probably his most like, at least in terms of what, like what the plot is, simple movie, because this was just a revenge film. Like it was, it was a revenge story, a story of revenge where this kid's, you know, father is, is killed by his uncle. And Not a spoiler. He, that's literally no, the premise happens, of the movie. And it happens in the first few minutes. Like, I, I, yeah. Nothing's a spoiler if it happens in the first few minutes yeah. of the movie. Um, and uh, he's then on a quest to seek revenge. And I, you know, I will give it to, to um, this director who, who some of his films, like all his films, are quite out there. And this one's quite out there too. It's got its most accessible plot because that's pretty easy to understand. Like that's, We've seen that before. It's a pretty simple, he's got to get from point A to point B and he's on revenge trail. Like, that's pretty legit. Like, some of the critics were like, oh, it was a pretty simple plot. What What did you expect? It's a classic <laughs> revenge yeah. story based on, like, uh, Viking mythology. What were people, like, <laughs> sometimes critics, I think, like, are you just looking for something to complain about? Because... With a revenge story, you're you're typically looking for a, a straightforward plot, in my opinion. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, to me, the... I don't... I, I never... I was about to say the point of this movie, but it's more uh, from what I can tell and what I think the director and the writer and, like, everyone working on it was going for was a very atmospheric film. Yes. That is very history-centric in trying to be as... True to history, inaccurate that you can be. So that's you know one thing that this movie had going for us. It felt lived in. It was a world that felt lived in. It felt real. It was not too like clean cut, which you often see Hollywood you know turn history into sort of like a very dulled down version of what it was actually like. It seemed like they were going for accuracy and real. So hey, like that that is probably more important to these filmmakers than, than having a complex plot, which I can appreciate. Yeah. I don't think you always need like, you know, when the plot's so complicated, you need to pull up the Wikipedia or article mm-hmm. to like follow along. I mm-hmm. think when a story is done well, you don't need it to be crazy. So yeah. anyways, I really enjoyed this movie. I thought I, I thought as much. Yeah, I thought the writing was great. And p- if people haven't seen The Witch or haven't seen The Lighthouse, the is it Roger or Robert Eagers? I thought it was Robert, but maybe now that you're saying Roger is That's Robert. Right. Robert Eggers. Eggers. So his movies are historical to a fault. So The Witch. All of the dialogue came from historical transcripts from uh, witch t- trials in New England. So he definitely has a specific way of writing, which is not accessible to everyone. Which is no. kind of, Mike, you're right. This is out of the three movies, because these are his three kind of films so far, like uh, complete films. Um, this one is the most accessible. 
um, in terms of kind of dialogue, plot, acting, although it is also the most violent. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that that is not accessible to everyone. Whereas like, you're like, okay, yeah, the plot's relatively simple. The acting's straightforward. You know, I can follow along. There isn't a ton of symbolism. Okay, I get it. And then like, whoa, he really came out with the with the with the violence. But it felt true to the time period he was portraying. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, it yeah, never like, felt gratuitous to me. Yeah. I, I feel like you have to go into a movie like this understanding that it's a Viking movie. A Viking movie. It's probably <laughs> gonna be pretty bloody. And the fact of the matter is that should kind of, at least in my mind, kind of prepare you for it so you can handle it a little bit better. Like understand like, of course that stuff's going to be in here um, because it is quite violent um, and there is gory. a lot of stuff that happens pretty gory. Um, but yeah, I would agree with everything that you just said, Taylor. I mean, I didn't, I definitely didn't enjoy this movie <laughs> to the levels you did, but I had an appreciation for it while I was watching it where, um, you know, I, I, when I finally watched the, the lighthouse, I was kind of like this acting is incredible, but I was sort of frustrated with other elements of, of the movie. Yeah. I found the plot dragged in the lighthouse. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then the witch I thought atmospherically was like really well done. Like I really appreciated and liked that. And to me, this movie actually reminded me of the witch a little bit, even though it's, it's bigger, bigger, grander in scale, but it, it reminded me of like the building of the world was really well done and it felt historical lived in and kind of felt like it was a, a real thing which again I, I can appreciate even if at times i was kind of like what is what why are they still barking at nothing and, and fighting naked like those are things that i had pretty <laughs> questions about i didn't really get those questions answered but here we are that's just <laughs> so, their religion mike it's just the way it is yeah it was it's just like, their religion i will say naked. speaking of the the dogs there is mild um, animal violence. Mm-hmm. For some people, that's like a no-go, you know? Um, and so if you are very squeamish around any sort of animal violence or cruelty, uh, I can think of two to three pretty gory, realistic depictions of it. So you might want to pass on this one. Yeah, it's gory. It's a it's a gory film. Um, I do want to talk a little bit quickly. I mean, I'm sure I'm sure it, it goes without really having to, to get into great detail. But in terms of the acting, like I thought all around, everybody did a pretty good job. Even the kid, um, the annoying kid. Even the kid, yeah. Which the is brother. <laughs> kind of surprising, but I think you know, I I just think this was the perfect movie. For for uh, your Alexander Skarsgård, um, yeah, he like, was gunning to of... make a Viking movie. Did you notice yeah. he was a co-producer? I did notice he was a co-producer. Yes, I kind of Good assumed for though. Good um, for him. Yeah, that he that he really wanted to make this movie and get it done. Um, Anya Taylor Joy, I thought was excellent. A joy to um, watch on screen. All as always. Um, she was also in know... the witch. She was also in The Witch, yes. And she's, and she's slated to be, talented. sorry to keep running over you, Mike, but obviously I'm very passionate about this film. Obviously. He's, <laughs> uh, he, his next project is slated to be a remake of Nosferatu. Oh. And Anya Taylor-Joy is already attached to the project. 
Well, there you go. Directors often have the talent. Favorites. They, they the favorite. one thing I will complain about was... Nicole um, Kidman? No, I thought she was great. Oh. I thought, wow, is Nicole Kidman always this good in a- acting? I thought she was really good in this one. See, I thought I found her a little distracting in this one. Is it like, because she's like Nicole Kidman? Yeah, yeah. It, it was the only... Because Ani Taylor-Joy, like... I don't know. She's very, very, very talented, and she does disappear into her roles, and she does really. And she does interesting. Yeah, and like that just it makes sense for her to be in this. And Alexander Skarsgård's only done a handful of things, so again, it makes sense. Like she just, yeah, she kind of stuck out to me. She was kind of the most. There's Nicole. Yeah, Yeah. there's Nicole Kidman. A list. She was, I would say, the only A list. Although, um, your good friend Ethan Hawke has a short role. He plays the father. but yeah, I don't well, think he, he doesn't last same, long, though. And he doesn't have the same star power. <laughs> no, that no, and Kidman has. and he's you know, and uh, amount of screen time or, or what, uh, like amount of time you see them is different, right? Like for for him, he's not in it much. No. And then Nicole Kidman, you kind of see at the beginning, and then you see a bit later. And I guess just having followed his journey throughout the film, and then suddenly it was Nicole Kidman. She was just the only one who, obviously, because she's like the queen it made sense but because of all the makeup and like everyone else had like dirt on them all the time like she was the most like well put together which makes sense for the character but because it was nicole kidman it made me be like oh there's nicole kidman fair enough i think they could have gone with maybe like a scandinavian actress they could have i'm not saying she's like i think nicole kidman's extremely talented i just thought in of all the movies i hear what you're saying this was yeah this was the one i was like "Hmm." it's like that's Nicole Kidman. Like, you can't shut it off. You know what I mean? Whereas, like, yeah, it, the other yeah. characters were <laughs> yeah. very... It would be like, what, honestly, it would be like watching Stranger Things, being as engulfed in we are in all these characters, and then suddenly Tom Hanks walks on yeah. to, like, yeah. do a scene. And you're like, why is Tom He's Hanks... He's the sheriff. <laughs> yeah, like, dude, that's not... That is Tom Hanks. It's not, like, it, you just couldn't get over because it just, I think it was just the world. It just felt like she didn't belong. That's yeah, I understand where you're coming from. Like, I, I get that. But I know what I was a little bit like, uh, didn't like was I didn't love the accent choice for Anya Taylor Joy. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you, did you find that distracting? Like, is a that... little, a little bit. Yeah. So the rest of the characters kind of have like, I don't know, I guess you could say like an old Norse. And I get it. She's supposed to be a different ethnicity. She's supposed to be Slavic. Um but, like, I don't know. There was just something about it. I was like, oh, I don't know. I would have just preferred her to talk in a British accent, to be honest. You know, <laughs> accents are tricky, right? Yes, and to be fair, she's trying to imitate, like, an accent no one has ever heard. Because it's supposed to be, like, an ancient dialect, I guess. Yeah. But that, that wouldn't be around and sound the same now. Like that's yeah, exactly, what people exactly. often forget about movies from history. It's, and sometimes people say, oh, people, people are talking strange. Well, that's because... We don't know lang- what they would like, have sounded like. Yeah, even even the English language was very different, you know, that that long ago. So even, even just to speak English would sound very, very, very different. So maybe so I'll... I, it's tough. Maybe I'll roll back and say, like, okay, it was fine. Because, <laughs> like, she's not, to, like imi- it, she's not imitating no. anything we have reference to. No. Right? I, and I understand, like, it was a shockingly different accent. I guess just, I don't know. There's just something about her as, she's a, captivating. as a performer. She's very captivating. And every time she does anything, even if I don't understand a word of it, 
I'm usually very invested drawn in. Yeah, which which the the witch. That's one of the reasons why I felt I like the witch so much because the dialogue is a little strange, but she in particular does such a great job with it that I understand the emotion that's behind it. Like I didn't necessarily she's, need to understand exactly what was going on. She's phenomenal. I'll say she's probably one of the more interesting actresses working right yeah, now. And I agree. Um, Robert, this guy is what, uh, I will say he is one of the most interesting directors working right now. And I don't disagree with you on that, actually, even though I'm so-so on this movie. I want to, I want to try to stay somewhat positive because I agree with you, Taylor. <laughs> this movie just isn't for me, yeah. but I can appreciate what he's doing. Definitely. I think he consistently makes, um, interesting choices, whether or not they always work, like they don't always land. He's also very early in his career. Like this is only mm-hmm. his third movie and his first uh, sort of mainstream studio. Like the other two, as far as I know, were more like independent studio pictures. Whereas mm-hmm. this is like the first big one. Like this is his first big budget. And he said the um, the editing process was very difficult for him because the studios mm-hmm. were involved in the editing process. Right. Um, and that's something he was like not used to, right? Because working on smaller scale budgets, he had a lot more creative control. So I wonder if we'll ever get to see like the director extended cut of this movie. Um, I mean, often that's what ends up happening. Like if, if yeah, a it's couple popular years enough. Yeah, a couple years from now. I mean, I will say this is, you know, speaking to, to, I mean, again, it's based on something. So I guess it's not like original content, but it is in a, in a way, like it's looking at ancient history. It's and, not and like a franchise. No, no. And I think, you know, it's a big budget for him, but it's kind of like a mid-level budget, which they say is disappearing from Hollywood. So it's kind of nice to see a movie like that. And I hope it does do well, um, because I do think some people will really enjoy it. Like you're saying, like you really enjoyed the movie. I was so-so on it, but... I can appreciate it and I didn't feel like it was a waste of time and money necessarily. So I think that at the end of the day, the recommendation for me is if you think this type of movie might interest you, you should, you should give it a try if you're on the fence because one support this type of work, but also you might be surprised because it is his, I think it's his most accessible film of of the three. Like, would you agree with that? Like this one, yeah, I think for, it's the most accessible. And I don't mean this in like a derogatory sense at all. For the most sort of mainstream moviegoer, right? Like mm-hmm. you, you typically are only going to the Cineplex to see your movies. This is the most accessible out of his three. Yeah. Um, yeah. My favorite probably is still The Witch. But this is I, a, I like, yes, I like The Witch the best. Yeah. Well. This is a close second for me. Like it isn't like a huge gap. And I just found The Lighthouse, um, you know... He didn't like the studio editing him. Like, he probably would have benefited <laughs> from a little editing in the lighthouse. My personal yep. opinion, I felt it went a little <laughs> bit long. Like, the plot gets yeah. dragged. Uh, but I I am very interested to see what else he puts out. Um, before I give my rating, Mike, I just want to add one last thing. So I was doing just, like, a tiny bit of reading about the movie. Um, just, like, I was on the Wikipedia page. Interestingly, this movie... Uh, premiered the exact same weekend as the unbearable weight of massive talent and neither performed particularly well at the box office. And Mm. I think it was um, the newswire wrote an article essentially saying like 
they were targeting the same demographics. So they were competing against each other for the same audiences. And um, so unfortunately they kind of got shot in the foot there. Um, Both movies are receiving relatively good, if not like fairly good reviews. And the Northman is performing very well on POV. So it's getting out there. Hopefully more people do see it. Cause I'm with you, Mike, if we want these, quote unquote, original fresh stories that aren't franchises, remakes, uh, sequels, you know what I mean? Like a, a fresh content, standalone films. You do have to go out and support the filmmakers. Otherwise, um, there'll be very little original content. So um, yes, for me, 100%, this is a see it. I, I love this movie. I thought like, oh, maybe I'll buy this on DVD. Like I really did mm. enjoy it, but um just knowing like it is very violent if you don't do well with violence this movie isn't for you and with that little bit of animal violence um you know just fair warning I know for some people those are like no-go issues (laughs) so I wanted to give a fair warning but um I just can't wait I hope Nosferatu comes out soon he was supposed to make Nosferatu before this one but then shelved it so i hope it's not shelved indefinitely but i i would die to see that one so yeah i mean i i just i just because of you know my own interests i can't give it a see it myself um so i i'll give it a stream it because for me it's it's like if you're you know if you think you'll like this movie you should go see it but you know i would recommend to people i'm like ah just try it at home but yeah if you do if you do think this is something you would enjoy definitely go to see it in the theaters um, and support this type of thing. I will say my last kind of note on it, it, you know, it's made just over its budget back. So that's good. Now that doesn't include, that's just production. It doesn't include like studio marketing and stuff. So normally they say you want to like make double the budget because that will cover all the marketing and stuff. And then therefore it's made it. So it's, it's, you know, made, it's made more money than it costs to make, but in terms of the marketing and extra stuff, um it might might not get there but yeah i've heard it's doing a lot better on on pov as well so that's good um let's let's move on so we can get all these movies in um sh- shall we talk about the unbearable weight of massive talent yes i mentioned the opening weekend so i did i saw that at the screening room it is doing um its round of the independent theaters now so hopefully if you didn't catch it in the Cineplex, hopefully, or the Landmark or wherever, whatever your local movie theater is, hopefully you will be able to see it now. So um, you never know what to, go- you never know what to expect with the Nicolas Cage movie, eh, Mike? You really yeah, don't know. Yeah, I'm very know. disappointed I didn't see this because <laughs> I, I wanted to see what this, I just wanted to know what, how, like, what this movie is about. Like, I just really wanted to see it right. for that reason. <laughs> so speaking of sort of fresh, original plot like this movie isn't um a remake it's not a sequel and it's not part of a franchise hopefully uh it is kind of filmed as a standalone movie so uh it was um it's billed as an action comedy so again you're kind of going in like okay how's nick cage gonna play this he's playing himself (laughs) in the movie but he plays it relatively straight but then (laughs) in a couple scenes there's like an alter ego of Nicolas Cage so think of it you know Nicolas Cage is playing himself then he's also playing his alter ego 
which is like a younger version of himself, which is kind of like the wild Nicolas Cage. (laughs) But like the Nicolas, the main Nicolas Cage is relatively straight, like, uh, not like at him at his wildest. You know what I mean? Right, right. Not quite like Pig, because you know in Pig he's it's quite dramatic. It's like, mm-hmm. think of a, like a straight comedic performance. That's right. What, right. And it was quite good. Like, don't, like, but you don't know what you're going to get. So that's what I got, right? Like the relatively straight comedic role plus the kind of the weirdo gonzo uh, <laughs> alter ego, which had like weird CGI on his face to make him look young. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, um, you know, the premise is he's kind of down on his luck. You know, um, his career isn't doing as great as he'd like it to, but he is working a ton, a ton, a ton, but he's in Mm -hmm. debt, you know, not getting the roles he likes, whatever. So um, he gets offered a million dollars to go to a millionaire's birthday party. And I think it's Spain. And I apologize. I don't know the name of this actor. He has a very recognizable face. I think he's been in... The new Star Wars movie. Yes, like, I. Yes, I. His name's on the tip of my tongue. I know exactly who you're talking about. Um, uh, and it is that person. So he <laughs> plays the the millionaire, and then essentially, again, this isn't a. This isn't spoilers. It's in like the Wikipedia, you know, tag tagline or whatever. Pedro Pascal. Yeah, there you go, Pedro Pascal. <laughs> so it turns out the CIA believes that his character um is actually a gun smuggler so they recruit uh nicholas cage as sort of like a cia operative to spy on him during the birthday weekend but he's actually becoming like best friends with him at the same time so it becomes like a buddy comedy with like action sequences okay a buddy (laughs) comedy but with action sequence. Yeah. So, um, huh. it's tough because, like, I mean, they're right. Like, the that article was right. Like, I am technically the demographic for, for both the Northman and for this movie, right? <laughs> yes. And yes. I saw it in one weekend. Um, it's hard because I saw the Northman first and then I saw this one. I would say, overall, I enjoyed the Northman more. But it's really? more okay. of a Taylor movie. You know what mm. I mean? Um, whereas the unbearable ta- the unbearable weight of massive talent is more mainstream, I would say. Like, talk about accessibility. I think anyone could enjoy this movie, even if you don't know a lot about Nicolas Cage. Like, there's lots of Easter eggs, and they're uh, essentially poking fun at his persona and and his career and everything. But I I I would say most people could still enjoy the concept of an actor thrown in accidentally becoming a CIA spy. Yeah, you know, I think you people can better uh, enjoy that. Um, the theater was laughing. You know, uh, it's one of those experiences of being nice in the theater and being able to experience it with other people. There, the people were certainly laughing um, throughout the movie. Interestingly, my my coworker's daughter in law went to go see it. Um, I think in that like a multiplex theater several weeks ago, and she was the only one who laughed. Really? So I wonder if, again, demographics are a funny thing. The screening room uh, attracts a little bit of a different audience than, say, the multiplex does. So maybe, you know, 
I was with people who would been would have been more inclined to see this movie if that, if I'm making sense. So it's kind of it's tough. I would say people were laughing a lot when I went to go to mine, yeah. and that was not my coworker's daughter-in-law's experience at all. Um, I would say that overall, it's fluffy, it's light, low stakes. You know what I mean? It's not too long. It's under two hours. Um, the plot moves relatively quick. I think you probably could have shaved five or 10 minutes off it, but I'm also a stickler for quick moving plot. You, you like your 90 minutes. Yeah. I like my 90 minutes. Whereas like the Northman was two hours plus I could have watched probably another 15 minutes of that film, but I'm It biased. was pretty immersing though. Like yeah. it really dove you into the it world. It moved like, well. It it's hard to do, but when done well, you can watch a movie. That world building, right? And that, like, visual language. Whereas, you know, an action comedy, like, you could probably get away with 90 minutes. It wasn't horrible. Like, it wasn't like, oh, my gosh, when is this movie going to be over? But I think um, everyone knows, like, I'm really looking for tight editing. So, uh, and the chemistry, I know we don't have a lot of time left. The chemistry between Nicolas Cage and, oh, my gosh, I've forgotten his name again. Pedro Pascal. Pedro Pascal. Amazing. They have they had amazing chemistry. Um, Pedro was such a joy to watch on screen. Like he was phenomenal. Um, yeah, he's very very good. Yeah, he was. I haven't seen him in anything else, but he, I would watch him again. He was great. So I think if you're looking for a nice, <laughs> nice summer movie, uh, comedic, you know, action comedy, buddy, buddy uh, subplot. Um, I don't think you can go wrong with this movie. I guess the caveat being like, if you don't know anything about Nicolas Cage, this movie might be inaccessible to you. But honestly, I think it's funny enough that the chemistry between the two leads, I think it's worth a watch. So for me, this is also a see it. Okay, there you go. Go uh, check out Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent or The Northman of the Screen Room, says Taylor. Um, Please run, don't walk. (laughs) Um, so the last movie we're going to talk about is the one that I randomly saw, Downton Abbey, A New Era. Uh, again, I went into this movie knowing absolutely nothing. I've never seen the show, did not see the first movie. I knew Maggie Smith was in it, uh, and I knew that it's about a bunch of sort of posh British people. Aristocrats. Uh, yeah, very, very. Now, I also... Didn't know about story, aristocrats? No, <laughs> that I knew, but I I didn't know Downton was the name of the place. Like the so the, the Abbey is in Downton, yes, but it's the town I believe is called the the area is like Downton, oh. and this is the Downton Abbey. This is the Abbey. I didn't know that either. <laughs> I actually thought it was a British word for downtown, so I was expecting oh. this is an abbey located in the downtown. Um, so I thought it was basically Downtown Abbey. Very disappointed. It's not even located downtown. It's in, um, like the country. It's actually, it's actually quite far away from the village. Okay, <laughs> I'll say that much. Um, yeah. So Downton Abbey, it's very <laughs> okay. So again, I knew nothing. So I'm gonna go the quick like plot, like we like to give. So the, this movie is about two things. There's two things kind of going on at once. One, the sort of I guess she's not really actually the matriarch of the family. The sort of is like the grandmother, Maggie Smith. Is, is she is, not the dowager? Yeah, so she, but but she's not in charge title. of the abbey. Like I don't know what. So the 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 daughter of the of her of so Maggie Smith's son, who's like some sort of earl, 
his oldest daughter is in charge of the Abbey. I'm sure. Which I thought was a little strange. The TV show, they explained that. It must explain that because that's, <laughs> it seemed a little odd to me. But anyway, so she calls the family together. Uh, she's getting older. And suddenly out of nowhere, some random person who died in France left her like a big house in France. So plot number one is the family being like, well, that's weird. Like, that's strange. For people her just don't just randomly give people houses. People just give people <laughs> massive houses. And the fact that like, the grandmother accepts it and wants to give it to one of, like, her great-grandchildren, which, again, makes sense in terms of that. But they're all like, wait a minute. Where well, who is from? this? Grandma. And she won't tell them anything. So there's that. So there's that's number one. So so the her son, the Earl, who's, kind of, I guess, one of the main characters, he's going to set off with a group to to france because they were invited there by this guy's son this guy's a son who wasn't left this big house (laughs) so there's your scandal right there and then the second part of the so that happens so a group leaves and goes to france to kind of deal with that and the second part of it is in order to i guess pay for refits to the house or like repairs that they have to make the the daughter who who is the other kind of main character she allows a film crew to come film a movie at the Abbey. So this is during a time where um, uh, like spoken word, like in film is still very new. So they, they come to make a silent film, but for, for again, one reason or another, it, they need to suddenly make it a talkie and that causes some issues and problems with, with the bringing in the, the actors who are used to it being a, a, a non-spoken just just film um and you kind of get a really interesting glimpse into how film was made back then that's cool um yeah and like that was without a doubt the most fascinating part of the movie like half the movie is basically spent it cuts back and forth from the group that's visiting in france and the group that stayed back at, at the abbey and this film being created so that stuff was fascinating like one of the interesting things about this movie was here it is set in again i think it's like the early 1920s or it's like 19 it must be the 20s mike if we're talking i think it's in the 20s yeah i think it's in i think it's like early in the 20s and uh here we are where (laughs) this this like weird show has happened but it's actually a really interesting glimpse into the history of film and a lot of the problems that i knew existed like when for example you're switching from from you know silent movies to to talkies and one of the actresses can't like speak to save her life like isn't like that just the like plot of singing in the rain yes exactly <laughs> like just this worst voice comes out of her and they're like ah what are we gonna do like in that in of itself is is very interesting um and this sort of like very not like completely pompous but really confident director is there and then you've got the kind of pompous lead actor and the the pompous uh lead actress and they're kind of like coming into this abbey and completely sort of taking over and the fact that they're from america too like they're american coming to this british very high class british house um so it's very it was very actually interesting that kind of aspect of it and i will say for knowing absolutely nothing about this movie, they did a pretty good job of catching me up on on who everybody was right. and like giving at least an idea. The important of, plot points. Yeah, like the important plot points. And that was was good. 
Um, now, what I didn't like about the movie, and what I'll say that is obvious I wouldn't like about the movie, was everyone's just too, like, everyone's just a stick in the mud. Like, everyone's too British? Everyone's way too British. <laughs> it's so high class that I'm just like, this isn't a problem. And I don't like movies, I've mentioned this before, where the plot revolves around to, if could be easily solved if two characters spoke to each other for five minutes. And that's what I feel that was kind of happening in the second, uh, the second sort of story. You would hate Bridgerton. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm never going to, I don't think I'm ever going to watch Bridgerton. Another one about <laughs> people being too British. But... Yeah, because they just won't talk. They're so proper. They're, they don't want to talk about it. Like, it's it, indecent. It, it, no one will just ask the grandmother, how did you know this guy? Like, that's all they had to do. And they would get sort of sort of the answer. Obviously. But they kind of keep it a a it was mystery. A former boyfriend. Well, it, that's the thing, Taylor. It is a bit of a mystery. And oh, you never are, find out. There are twi- No, no, you do find out, but there are some twists and turns that I don't want to give away. It's not so obvious, is what you're it's saying. It's not so. Yes, it's not so cut and dry, and it does take you down a bit of a path. So okay. that is the kind of mystery that keeps you going through the film. I was just not that interested in it because I'm just like, just wake her up and ask the question. Like, it's not that big of a deal. Wake Granny um, up from her nap. Yeah, like, she can stop sleeping and get back on screen here. Um, but, again, as I said, the other half of the movie was pretty enjoyable. I did kind of get into the old way of, of making movies and kind of the, the issues around doing even a film um, at on location as opposed to on a set, which also would have been a relatively new thing back then. So... It was kind of interesting to use that this former television show as a as a kind of spotlight to here's some cool things that happened during that time and the issues that were caused by the the kind of rise of the talkies in, in film. So it was interesting in that sense. I, I'm gonna overall I'm gonna give it a stream it because for a non-Downton Abbey fan, it did keep me interested. There were still elements of it that I found a little boring, a little weird and just i don't see what the big deal is get over it kind of moments um but i think if you're a downton abbey fan i think you'll enjoy it just for me it's the type of thing where if you want to like try it out just wait and watch it at home um i don't think there's and maybe a watch to rush to see maybe watch the tv show in the first movie yes first. <laughs> now quickly very quickly before before we run out of time taylor i decided to go back then and watch just the pilot episode the first episode of downton abbey just to it's see it's on netflix right it is on Netflix. So I was like, I'm going to watch episode one. I see the, saw the second movie. I'm going to watch the first episode. And Taylor, you know what happened? There were so many characters in the pilot that I had no idea who they were. And all well, I can Mike, think of is, do, are they alive? There's a what, world did they war. Get fired? Like, what? Yeah, that's there's, what I heard. Then I heard there's like, there's a world war that happens. Like, how many of these people do you get like brutally killed in this? Show? I'm just so, I was so like confused i wasn't expecting that i was expecting the same group of characters in this movie just to be younger in the show which a lot of them obviously are but then there's all these other characters who seem really important and i'm just like who are, who are you like what, what is this person so yeah i, I, I think again as someone crazy. who's only seen it kind of on the peripheries like on tumblr you know stills or whatever i get the sense that this is a show that's not afraid to kill people off 
That's what I get the that's what I get the sense of too. And having kind of done some research, yeah, I saw that World War One happens um, at some point in the show, which makes sense. Like that timeline adds up. Um, and this and is then, a time where you could like die from TB still. Yeah, well, that's the other thing. Like there would be other things I imagine, and I'm sure like some like with any TV show, some, some people do get written off for various yeah for various reasons. So I'm sure that happened. I was just surprised by the volume. I guess is what I'll say. Where I was just thinking, oh. I'll just see all these people again. Right. Not the American way of making TV. No, 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 not at all. So yeah, that was that was fascinating. But anyway, that that's my review of Downton Abbey New Era. Definitely like pleasantly surprised by it. But again, there were still enough things in it where I'm like, it's not like I'll ever watch this again. It's just, it was, it surprised me that it did a good job of keeping my interest of someone who's never really seen anything of the show. Um, so very, very quickly, Taylor, we don't have time to do the full segment, but just give me that headline. And let's just quickly talk about that one headline. Uh, let me just scroll real quick. Oh, you don't, I don't know if you have time to scroll. I have it here. Morbius <laughs> okay. returns to theaters. Thanks to social media buzz. But things didn't go as planned. So it bombed again, is what you're saying. Yes. Morbius goes back to the theaters for some reason. And it bombs completely again. So for people who haven't been following the Morbius saga... It bombed the first time. Like, it's been completely um, memed to death now. And so studios saw that it was trending on Twitter and TikTok. And they thought, oh, well, that must mean there's a demand to see this in theaters. (laughs) (laughs) What a a way to misread (laughs) the situation. What film exec, or probably most like, more likely, like, what intern is getting fired for this? But um, someone's getting fired. It, uh... It bombed again. It it went up against t- Top Gun Maverick, the new one, Ugh. which is just making oodles of cash, hand yeah, over hand. Terrible decision. Um, over the weekend, it was released in just over a thousand theaters. Um, it managed a measly three hundred thousand dollars, which amounts to two hundred and eighty dollars per location. Wow. Well, so, well, there you go. There you go. <laughs> what a terrible decision. What a misreading of social <laughs> what media. A misreading. Like, do you not um, do people not understand internet humor? I guess not. I, I guess, guess not. People Some people probably work. don't. Yeah. Some people probably don't understand the internet humor. Um, but there you go. Um, thank you for that, Taylor. I'm glad we got to sneak that in quickly. Uh, but thank you everybody for for tuning in this week. We'll be back with some new movies next week. I'm going to talk about Jurassic World as we wrap up that big thing. Uh, so we'll talk about that next week. Go see some movies. Thank you for listening to the Screening in Kingston podcast, recorded at CFRC at Queen's University in Kingston, Ontario. Queen's University sits on the traditional lands of the Haudenosaunee and Anishabi peoples. We would like to thank the Faculty of Engineering and Applied Sciences and the CFRC Podcast Network.